coming up. Dominic Alvarez joins me. I'm going to chat some NBA, do a little game called Smart Dumb Idiot. We're also going to chat Manchester City versus Chelsea, plus what's going on at the Tigers. That's all next on the Vincent Man Sports Podcast. Before we begin, now, I just want to let you guys know that, yes, I do usually upload on a Monday, but it's going to be a bit more sporadic um, just because of my schedule with South Sydney Rabbitohs at the moment with all their training, plus with a bunch of my work as well. So I'm going to try and get my podcast to be weekly, but it's going to be in spurts as well, different days as well. So I thought I'd just let you guys know um, just to keep up with what's happening with this podcast. As always, thank you for listening and I hope you enjoy this episode. Alright, I'm here with Dominic Alvarez. Dom, we're going to play a little game just to see where we are at in the NBA season. This game is called Smart Dumb Idiot, right? I'm going to give you a prompt and you have to get, you have to decide whether that's a smart prompt, a pretty dumb prompt as in, oh man, this, you know, that just sounds really stupid almost. And then the other one's idiot, whereas like, oh, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about almost. He's just trying to troll or something like that. All right. I understand. I understand. First one. Now, we know Boston's probably the best team in the East. Hmm. Philadelphia are the best, second best team in the East. Right now? Smart. Mm-hmm. Right now, yeah. Because I think they have the best record in the NBA right now. Hmm. Yeah. Um, getting rid of James Harden, I think, was a very good, uh, a very good trade. And if Joel is happy... Then, yeah, I, they're the second best team. The thing is, as well, as we talked about, right, Milwaukee was probably the team that everybody was saying they were either the best or the second best team coming into the season that was coming from the East. But mm. as we've seen, their lack of depth and defense presence has mm. hindered their chances of being not only the top two teams in the East, but also a title contender like people predicted. Yeah, most definitely. Like they lost a lot of defense with Drew Holiday not there. And right now they're they're struggling, I'd say, to build chemistry in the defensive end. Yeah. And I would say for Philly as well, you're looking at a guy like Tyrese Maxey as well. He's really stepped up this year. I think maybe it was yesterday or the day before he dropped a fifty piece. <laughs> Pretty impressive, yeah. Even like Tobias Harris this season has been playing really well. I've been taking notice of that. Yeah. Um, And I think the addition of Nick Nurse as well has probably helped them as well. It looks like they're moving the ball a lot more as well and it's not becoming stagnant. But then again, um, it could be also because they don't have James Harden. Yeah, that's a good point there. I think Nick Nurse is a good coach. He knows how to get the best out of players and... I think moving forward, Philly, if Joel's happy, I think they'll be in three, three, four second in the East, yeah. Next one. The T-Wolves are a top four team in the West. Smart, again, smart. 
if if they continue that form and Ant keeps doing what he's doing, I don't see why not. Like the West is wide open still. What do you think? Um, the only thing is as well. I mean, I guess like I do struggle with the idea of having the two bigs. Mm. Like, is are they going to sustain that performance over time? I've seen guys like Goldbear and Towns really just. I don't know, like they sort of like we've seen Goldberg over the last few years. Is he going to be a different player now? Is he going to go back to what he looked like in Utah as well during their prime years? Is Cap mm. going to stay healthy throughout this season as well? Is Jaden McDaniels not going to break his hand again trying to punch the wall? So, you know, I think there's a lot of questions in this team, but their makeup, they've got a clear sort of six man rotation if you include the starting five plus Nas Reed in it. Mm. Will that go into being a top four team? I don't know, because you look at guys like the Lakers and the Phoenix Suns, they're they really started slow, but um they're the sort of teams I feel like are going to start building more into the season and that's going to result in wins. I think my only question with Minnesota is are they going to stay afloat or are they going to drop their sort of preseason, uh, early season form? That's a good point. But currently right now, like that's my view right now, they're a top four team. Mm. I mean, look, with their form, they probably are going to be the early favourites for the in-season tournament, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. Uh, next one. Um I put a few goofy ones as well, just for you to think about. This is probably the first goofy one. Yeah. Dylan Brooks is a reformed man in Houston. Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see what he done to LeBron the other day? I think doing a timeout. He was just staring at him. Hey, he was probably just amazed, but like this 39 year old <laughs> performing the way he does. That's why. Oh no, he's an idiot. Like he made a fool of himself in Memphis. And every time he plays LeBron, he somehow has a possession of him. Like, just needs to stare at him all times, guard him all times. And, he, yeah, he's dumb. I don't like him. So the thing is, at Houston, he's taking less bad shots as well. Have you seen yeah. his shooting percentages? Not really, but I know he got five points against the Lakers. <laughs> um, well, look. I think he's averaging about 13 points a game and he's shooting 50-50 at the moment. That's not bad. Yeah, that's, that's not bad. It's really good. If he, keeps, he probably won't keep it up, but I'm just saying really yeah. good shooting percentages. Uh, no, it won't last long. <laughs> so he's not reformed at all? No, he's not reformed. He's going to look like a fool at the end of the season. Next one. People will come around to like in the in-season tournament. Smart. I think uh, not in its first year, not in its second year. Maybe when it builds enough culture for for the tournament, then people will start liking it. I think it's different, so people have mixed views on it. I, I personally like it. I think it's something different. It, it brings the months of November, December to be more interesting. Usually... Teams aren't really worried about wins and losses, like especially lower lower seeded teams. So I feel like when there's a bit, there's something to play for, 
the teams are going to want to win more in November to December. It's interesting. I felt like with the structure of the tournament, it should have been more like FA Cup, but in reality, it's more like the Champions League. Yeah, yeah. So it's going to be a bit of a, a grind during the group stage, but mm. and I thought it was going to be more of a knockout tournament. That's kind of what I wanted to see a bit more, and what I feel like is going to eventually happen is sort mm. of a knockout tournament, like March Madness or, as I just said, the FA Cup, because yeah. I feel like that's a bit more exciting. Because um, usually when you go, say, for example, the FA Cup, usually get these once every couple of years, just random teams making these big runs throughout the tournament. And that kind of what keeps it exciting. Yeah. I feel like it would, wouldn't it go too quick if it was just like a knockout? I mean, possibly, yes. But then again, the players are already playing 82 games and then you're going to add yeah. another, what, five or 10 games to their season because of this sort of group stage and quarterfinal, semifinal, uh, no. grand final structure. Yeah. Whereas if you add a, a knockout style sort of tournament, the games I think will be played less. Oh, there'll be less games played, I should say. Yeah. Look, I, I don't mind. I like it. something new. It's interesting to see. Hopefully, maybe like a, a Indiana or, I don't know, wins this year. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Oh, Memphis. Memphis, yeah. <laughs> They're like the worst team. <laughs> <laughs> they beat the Clippers, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, maybe the Clippers as well. That's why they traded for Harden, just to get the in-season tournament. Yeah, yeah. Oh, who am I Definitely. Who am I kidding? Like half half of those guys probably won't even be playing during the in-season tournament. Yeah, they'll get rested, yeah. Mm. Number five. No one can beat the Devon Nuggets in the West. Dumb. <laughs> They're beatable. Surely, surely someone's going to beat them. Like, they'll have an off night. But I don't, see, I don't see anyone finishing first in the West. Other than the Denver Nuggets. Other than Denver Nuggets, yes. Yeah, but, but when it comes beatable. to the, the playoffs, do you think there's a team that could beat them? Yeah. Who do you Phoenix. see? Phoenix. Phoenix. If they can get it right, they, they could beat them, yeah. Well, have a follow-up from this. Are the T-Wolves the bogey team for the Denver Nuggets? Because as we've seen from last year's playoffs and throughout this season, possibly there might be a bogey team for Denver. Maybe with a double big lineup. Maybe. And then Ant goes off completely. Oh, he's been on fire this past week. He's been on fire. So, yeah, maybe it's possible. Uh, I I just think Phoenix right now, they're, they're building chemistry and maybe by April... When the season, when it's almost playoff time, they get everything together because that team's got a lot of scorers on that team. Like, they can go hot, like, in the blink of an eye. So, yeah. The only thing is with that team is who could, who's going to defend Nikola Jokic, right? Are you going to have Nurkic on him? Nurkic hasn't really proven to be a, um, I would say, a great addition to this Phoenix Sun team in terms of defense. Yeah, true. They might well, need to add another guy. Yeah, it would be interesting, like matchups and stuff. But yeah, right now, yeah, 
you're, you're probably right. Nurkic yeah. can't defend Nurkic. <laughs> <laughs> Next one. And this is the last one before we go into a break. Um, here's another goofy one. Kyrie Irving will find a way to screw the Mavericks' early season success. Dumb. Dumb in, think... in what way? Do you think dumb as in what I came up with was him being dumb? I think he, uh, no, I think he's sort of, I think he's going to, he's going to draw less attention to himself because it, this team is, is Luca's team, obviously, and he's the second option. And I think he's respected that. And I, I think that Dallas, Dallas is going to do good this year and Kyrie is not going to get in their way with any attention. I mean, you're, you're very optimistic. If the last eight years have proven anything, he'll find a way to screw over a team's success. Yeah, early doors right now. Like that's what I'm. That's my answer right now. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I think one of the other things I was thinking about was he's in a smaller market too. So in the last mm. two teams he's been on in Brooklyn and in Boston, they're in larger markets compared to Dallas. Maybe he won't get as much publicity if um, compared to those two bigger cities he was previously in. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, unless you know something comes out in which he needs to share his opinion on, uh, which is a dangerous thing to make. I hope he doesn't do that. I hope. I hope. Are you, are you Dallas, hoping? <laughs> I'm hoping he doesn't do that because Dallas like proved me wrong. Like I didn't think they were going to be that good like, to start off the season, and they proved me wrong. And I hope they can continue that. Mm. Yeah, I mean, look. Lucas playing in an MVP form, but I'm just saying, mm. based on history, we know what Kyrie is capable of. And yes, he is yeah. playing well, but off the court, mm, you know. <laughs> keep his mouth shut. Yeah. Someone needs to put some tape over his mouth or keep that phone away. Anyway, yeah. uh, we'll take a break and then we'll do the last remaining questions I have for Dom. All right, sweet. All right, we're back. Your next prompt. The success of Oklahoma City means Chet Holgram is the favorite for Rookie of the Year over Victor Wembenyama. Tom, I haven't been impressed with Chet at all. Like, I think Wemby is a is a better player. From what for what the eye test right now, Wemby's a better player than Chet. Based on the eye test, yes. I mean, the only thing is how much does success go into it for a team? especially given that I think Chet has been actually pretty good in regards to defense as well. The only thing that I think Chet's really lacking is he probably needs a big body center next to him because he does have that skinnier, uh, that lanky, skinnier frame. Yeah. Like I was watching the Sacramento game and Sabonis was bullying him like, Bullying him, like he had, he had to get subbed multiple times because he couldn't guard him. Like I mean, he, can, he can't guard Europeans. No, <laughs> he won't be able to guard Jokic. He won't be able to guard Giannis. He won't be able to guard those guys. Yeah. Hmm. I do think at the end of the day, if you look at the award, I I don't know how much success goes into it because if you look at the last few, you got 
Palo, who won it last year. We've got Scotty Barnes as well, right? That's two, right? And then you go through all the others. They've got like Luca as well um, and all those other guys who are coming through. So I'm having a mental Blake on who was the rookie of the year's previous year. Um, but really, um, I think what it comes down to is individual performance. But I thought I'd just throw out that question, just something to think about really because yeah. – um, you know, how much should their success really go into these sort of awards, particularly if we do this for MVP? Um, should we do it for something like Rookie of the Year too? Yeah, I, I can see where you're coming from. I think for Rookie of the Year, though, it should be just individual, I think, mm. not based on the team. Yeah, so the individual performance. Yeah, individual performance, yeah. Okay. Um this is a, actually, this is a follow-up. This is, that was question seven. This is 7.5. Is Wemby the only player I'm getting notifications for on my phone from sports apps and that? Yeah, smart. I've been, I, I mean, been look, I mean, look, like, uh, this is more of a question for me, I guess, but, um, yeah. look, I have Bleacher Report and I have the NBA app. And, look, there's no way of checking to see, well what notifications I'm getting in regards to whether it's the player, the team or the league, but I would guarantee you that almost half of them are about Victor Wembenyama. Well, he's, he's just a freak of nature. Like he's so long. Like the other day I saw him go up to the glass and just grab the ball and put it back down. Like, I was watching them play, um, Goldbear and the T Wolves, and he literally yeah. made Goldbear look like a child. He's blocking his shots <laughs> yeah. out there. Goldbear is huge; like that would never happen. And then he's yeah. grabbing alley oops, right? And he's just—he doesn't even have to jump. He's just standing there. He just has to put it back in. I'm like, how is Spurs so bad? Why don't they just do that all the time? Uh, no like one else is taller easy. against him. Yeah, exactly. That's an easy bucket. Just whip it up. He just puts it in. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, it's unfortunate they got Jeremy Sohan playing at point guard because he's not a point guard at all. Is the team that bad? I don't think the Spurs are that bad. On paper, they're probably not that bad, but um, their performance would suggest otherwise. Yeah. I mean, they're. I don't know what's going on down there, but I honestly thought they'd be a lot better. They're... Jeremy Sohan point guard experiment. It's clearly not working. Mm. Who else they got there to play a point guard? Trey Jones. Apparently, his analytics would suggest he's one of the best point guards, not only in this league right now, but of all time. Really? Yeah, just because Sohan's just so bad with his analytics too. Yeah, Popovich is a good coach. Surely he'll figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I've got three more for you. Orlando's success is sustainable. Smart. I, I don't see why not. Like, they're all young. They're all hungry. And last year, they, were, they had glimpses of when they beat bigger opposition uh, teams. And I think that if they, if they all stick together, they all buy in to what the coach wants them to do. They definitely will make playoffs, yeah. So at the 
start of the year or just before when we were doing our NBA preview, Orlando was one of the teams I was high on. And it was because of that balance of the um, the youth there with Paolo, um, Franz, and then the recent draft picks as well. But they also have the veterans on the team too. They got the Preachers, Child, Jonathan Isaac, Joe Ingalls as well. Um, well he's more like the substitute teacher. Um, and then Mo Wagner as well. But a nice mix of youth and veterans on that team and pretty sort of evenly distributed amongst all the positions as well. It's not a surprise to me that they are sustaining, uh, they are having this success early. Um, I think the one thing that I would say in regards to why they may not be able to be sustainable is a lot of these guys on the team um, haven't played 82 games. I mean, Paolo, I don't think played all 80. Franz has been injured. Markel Falters is already injured. Wendell Carter is probably the only one who's been really healthy for them for the last few years. And that's just going mm. off the top of my head. I don't know what these rookies are going to be like as well, but, and Joe Ingles, you know, he hasn't been healthy over the last couple of years either. He's starting to get up there in age too. So I do question the durability of this team. And that's why I think I would also question the sustainability of their success. Uh, I can see your point. Um, look, we don't know. So it's either sink or swim. So they might swim and they might prove us wrong. But I, I, I they're a really exciting team to watch. Like I really like the young players on that team. I mean, they are promising. Um, yeah. But obviously it's, um, it's going to be almost, you know, like, are these young guys going to be able to step up as well during this part of the season and or in particular in the last part. So after the all-star break, the thing is I could see them being a, a playing team, but a playoff team. I mean, honestly, who was right now, who do you think would be better than this Orlando team? Obviously Boston, Philly, Milwaukee probably is better as well. Cleveland too. Atlanta. Atlanta, yeah. You know, so you got quite a bit of competition um, for those who would be a lot better than Orlando. Yeah. So um, this one's more for you uh, as a Boston fan. Yeah. The Celtics are in a better position to win a title than in 2022 when they made the uh, NBA Finals. This is hard. Yeah, I know. Because the head, the head coaches are different. I know. That's why I threw it out to you. I'm going to go smart. I'm going to go smart. Mm. This team doesn't have Marcus Smart either. Yeah, we don't got Marcus Smart, but we've got Drew Holiday. He's 10 times better. Mm. And we have Paul Zingas. He's a, he's a freak. So I really like this team. Like, there's a few faults in, the, in what we have right now, but which I think can be worked on, like our bench rotation. Maybe we can get another guy in. What about lack of timeouts from your head coach during the final stretches of the game? <laughs> he just lets it play out. Yeah, I know. Uh, I can understand why sometimes, like he just wants the plays to, like, go go with the flow. I guess then draw up a play, which it can work, but it can also be terrible. But 
I think Joe Mazzula will get more more experience, and as long as Tatum and Brown can be consistent, Drew Holiday and Borzingas like they're they're great additions to what the team we had before, and I think we have we're a really good chance this year to win. Can I um make a pretty alarming point? I think should be noticed. I think yeah. Boston's actually a better team than Denver right now, and in, if they were to meet up in the NBA Finals right now, I'd probably put Boston over Denver. And the reason why is, okay, maybe Jamal Murray's not playing, but let's just pretend that he is playing right now. Just on paper. Yes. Pause, uh, what's he saying? Uh, Jokic, he's probably hard to stop. I don't know who the hell is going to be defending him. Maybe Paul Zingas? Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. But yeah. their versatility is incredible, right? And that's what I was talking to you before the season. Right, you can yeah. get like look at all the switches they can make to their starting five. Then they've got eight or nine guys who can play in their rotation. Mm. Plus, you know, most of the guys have played with each other before, and it almost looks like Holiday and Porzingis have been with this team for the last, I don't know, five years. Yeah, they've been really impressive so far. Yeah, and that comes down to the coaching as well. At the end of the day, yeah, it's funny because. There's some head coaches in the league who probably would want one or two more timeouts, whereas Joe Maz is probably like, yeah, I'm good. I only need like a couple of timeouts for a game. <laughs> definitely needs the two challenges, though. Oh, yeah, definitely, yeah. <laughs> All right, last one. This is probably the goofy one that I've saved. Um, was LeBron sent from the future or is he AI, do you think? Dumb. <laughs> no, he's, he's not from the future, no. He's just a really, 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 really basketball player. Is he, is he the first sign of AI who came in at like, you know, 2003 when he gets drafted? You know, we just didn't know. We just didn't know what AI was. And now we realize it's like, oh, my goodness, this guy, this guy was sent from the future. He's actually the first known AI reality. Nah, Wemby. Wemby's, Wemby's him. Oh, Wemby's his AI, yeah. AI. He's yeah. He's um. So LeBron's thirty nine now. Yeah. I'm going into season thirty nine. I should say, oh, age thirty nine. Yeah. Um. He's putting up some absolutely crazy stats for a guy who, you know, most players would have been retired by now, but no. And this goes back to my conversation. Look, I don't think LeBron's the greatest player of all time. I think I reserved that for Michael. But in any sport that I've watched, I think he's the greatest athlete to play any sport because if he was to put put in any sport, if you put him in football or soccer or in NFL or, I don't know, just put him in NRL, for example, I think he would just excel at anything. He would be, you know, any sport that you put in. But he was just putting basketball and... He's still excelling to this day, even at age 39. Yeah, he's, he's a proper professional. I can say that. Very athletic, good size, looks Takes after himself. His, yeah, yeah takes like, care of his body. He, his longevity is a credit to his professionalism. Like, not many guys can play in their... What, what season is he? His 21st season? Mm, yes. Like... To play 21 seasons, it just shows like how professional he is, and to be at the top level, like 
to be the best of your generation like that just shows like the class of the guy yeah yeah exactly well i think maybe you said half of them were stupid and half of them were smart so i'll take that feedback on and maybe we might do that again at least i didn't get lamented as an idiot so um no trouble <laughs> there <laughs> yeah um so what i wanted to ask you as well was yeah. your thoughts on the chelsea man city game on the weekend that was a very good game of football i woke up at 320 i watched that game and i can say chelsea played phenomenal city on the other hand not so great um especially ruben diaz did, did not have a good game but yeah like very impressed with chelsea uh, Pochettino is noted to be a coach to get the the best out of his plays against Pep Guardiola teams, like especially that Tottenham team when they beat us in the Champions League. But yeah, it's like eight goals, it was a phenomenal game of football. Incredible, right? And it's like two all. Oh no, sorry, it's three all. And then you're like in the 80th, you're like as a Chelsea supporter, you know the story. Rodri's probably going to get the ball and score a 90th minute goal because that's what it usually happens. <laughs> and what happens, huh? Like Rodri scores in the 85th minute. I'm like, oh, yeah, here we go. <laughs> but then there's a oh, no penalty, right? And then Cole yeah. Palmer. Cole Palmer comes in and just haunts your nightmares as he's as the former player scores a very nice penalty. He's been pretty good for Chelsea this year. He, he has about has. five. I think he has five and five at the moment with his current form. He has like maybe he, half of those penalties. Good, still, he he had a phenomenal game. Him and Sterling were on fire that game. Like they caused us a lot of problems. Jackson, not that great, but he was he was he had a good game. Conor Gallagher broke down so much of the play in midfield, like. Chelsea overall played phenomenal. That was like probably their best game of the season. Well, except in defense as well. That's the only thing for both teams. It's like the defense was missing the whole game. Yeah. Well, look, like City went up four times and Chelsea came back four times. So that's a positive that Chelsea can take. Do you prefer yeah. the the high scoring games like that one or the really closely contested ones? Oh, viewing perspective of high scoring games. I uh, really like goals is what you play for. As a player, I would hate to play in a game like that. Like, oh, yeah. They, they would just give me the shit. Like, I would hate score. to be a coach for that too, for those sort of games. Yeah, very stressful. Like, you have a lot of different emotions through the whole game. Like you're winning, you, you can see, you score, you can see, you score. Like, I can just imagine. Hmm. Um, yeah. I think most people would agree with you too. That the higher, like the high scoring games where there's a lack of defense is usually the more exciting ones compared to, say, low scoring games and nothing really happens. Yeah. Well, even the football that was being played in that game was like, it was beautiful to watch. Like City, their build up, even Chelsea, their, their counter attacks were awesome to watch. So overall, it was just a great game of football and it just shows how good the Premier League is. Mm, exactly. Last thing, um, NRL pre-season's back. Have you done any Tigers sort of prep in the lead-up to the season yet or looked at anything? Not really. I've seen that we changed our, our badge. I think we've got a 25th. Oh, they're holding a wooden spoon in it? Or? 
No, no, no. It's the twenty no. fifth year anniversary or something. And then I saw Benji in the press conference said we need to put some pride back in the jersey. And I was like, yeah, we do. And then I seen we're starting off with a buy, which means we won't be on the bottom of the table come round round two for the first time in like five years, I think. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting as that's just that's just that's so disappointing. You're getting excited <laughs> over a buy. Three two points. Just three two points. Two points. Yeah. You can you yeah, get all the two points you need as a Tiger supporter. We need to take it and run. That's what we need to do. We need to so take it and run. The thing is, it looks like the Haas parents are going to be Sullivan and Caesar, right? But mm. if they're serious about a rebuild, wouldn't it be making more sense if they go with Sullivan and Finu at Haas? I guess so. But then like are we gonna have a repeat of last year? Like Yeah, but at least there's a plan there. That's the only thing. The last two years, it doesn't seem like to be a plan there. Look, it's it's after Benji. Look, I, I wouldn't mind Fanu being fourteen to come on, bring an extra body, which I think they might do that. But they've got to win games. They need to win games. Like they they can't have a repeat of last season. They can't. Well. I don't know. I mean, I don't think they really have the team to do it. Well, you look at the teams, right? Yeah. So, who's got worse? The Canberra probably have got worse this yeah. for this season. Their loss of Whiteson as well. Yeah. Um. Oh. Maybe like Penrith, no. Um, yeah, no, like Penrith. Pen- Penrith <laughs> somehow would just bring another youth player. There'll be like another Stephen Crichton. Yeah, probably. Um, like a lot of you know, Dragons are probably going to be somewhere down there. Probably. Yeah, Dragons are the same. Like, yeah. well, Dragons are trying to probably sign everyone. They're going to try and get Fanua Blake, Joey Manu as well. Just try and sign everyone they can. Pappenhausen. Yeah, Pappenhausen too. <laughs> try and get everybody. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I'm just like if I'm running one of these teams, like a Tigers, a Bulldogs, and a um, St George, who haven't been good for the last few years, I just see what I have. Especially if I'm a new coach coming in, like Flanagan and Marshall, just want to see mm. what I've got and what I'm working with, and then build around there. Mm. That's usually what the smart teams do. But yeah. unfortunately, I think in the NRL and rugby league, we have this culture where we have to try and win all the time. And sometimes it's a good thing because there's no stuff like tanking or anything like that or just being bad for youth development. But yeah, um, it's also a bad thing because a lot of the youth development doesn't happen because they're always trying to win games. Yeah, results matter, yeah. The problem, with the, it, Tigers, yeah. The, the problem with the Tigers is like they're playing, yeah, they've never had like a full plan like to go. We're just going to bring in the youth or we're going to start winning games now. And like we had this conversation before, like they have a mix of old experienced players and youth players. So if they're just going to go to bring in the youth, like they're not going to win many games and it's going to be a repeat of last season, even though there's a direction where the club wants to go, like there needs to be a trade-off. Whether you focus on developing the youth or you, you try to win games. I mean, I completely agree with you, right? Like we've seen, yeah. you know, in the American sports, like NBA, where yeah. 
some of the teams just blow up, like they just blow up and say, yeah, we're going to start new. We're going to start with the new young core and then we're going to yeah. build from there. You never see two different sort of paths, right? You don't see, like take, for example, Golden State over the last couple of years, right? Yeah. Yes, they did win the title, but it felt like with drafting Kaminga, Moody and Wiseman that they were going in one direction. And then with Curry, Thompson, Draymond, they were going in another direction. Like the franchise was going in two different directions. And that's what I kind of feel like West Tigers are at at the moment. But we're just not successful. Like we don't have a car heel. No, I mean, you never know what's going to happen with him, but. Yeah, he's a superstar. He's the only guy on that team. (laughs) It looks like he might be there for the next 10 plus years. Yeah. Look, yeah, you make a good point, but. The Tigers haven't won anything and they haven't haven't won many games for a while. So it'll be interesting to see what Benji's plan is. Well, obviously. here's the thing. I think Teddy will be retiring over the next few years. So yeah. if the West Tigers can keep their fullback, you know, keep developing him and then the Roosters can just poach him, um, that'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> you poach all good players, like you poach Dom Young for next season. Like, yeah, if you guys don't get injuries, you're always a, t- a title shout. Oh, don't start now, don't start. This has been happening for the last few years. Oh, the Roosters are the favorites now. Jeez. I wonder when I that conversation thought, is going to happen. I honestly thought they were the favorites last year. I honestly did. Honestly, yeah. I swear well, did. you haven't learned from history. That's what I, I was saying that at the start of this year. I was like, why are people saying? that the Roosters are going to be the favourites, right? This has been happening for the last three years and it's never been fulfilled. Because your team is stacked. Your team is stacked. Well, on paper it is. But it's stacked. We've got an older team, right? Yeah. But still, it's like... And I told you stacked. the other day that Brandon Smith's on 800k. He's got a player option for next year, which he's going to be yeah. taking. I can't even believe that. Like, he doesn't even play 80 minutes. How can you be on 800k? I don't know. You tell me. Anyway, um, look, Dom, thanks for coming on as well. I um, I loved your insight into um, the whole NBA and into um, the West Tigers and the EPL as well. So thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. I really like coming on the podcast. Get mm. me put out my views. Yeah, the <laughs> platform for you to put your views out on. Yeah. If you want to follow Dom on Instagram, it's and correct me if I'm wrong, Dom. It's um, Dom twenty eight uh, underscore. Oh man, now I've lost it. That's it. Dom twenty eight underscore. Perfect. Oh, I got it. it. Good. Cool. Yeah. All right, my memory is actually yeah. sharper than what I thought. Yeah, pretty good. <laughs> um, if you want to follow me or the podcast, I'm on Instagram, uh, Twitter, or X, uh, TikTok as well. And thank you for listening, guys. And we'll chat to you soon.